This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. For today, rain and snow showers, high near 36. Mostly cloudy tonight, chance of snow showers with a low around 30. Friday will be partly sunny and a high near 47. One person was hurt when a car crashed at an entrance ramp to Route 17 in Binghamton after someone fired gunshots at the vehicle. The incident occurred late last Friday night at the expressway on-ramp off Prospect Street in the First Ward. A car with four occupants crashed at the Route 17 entrance early Saturday morning. The person who called for help said the crash was caused by a shooting. One of those in the vehicle sustained minor injuries from the crash and was taken to a hospital for treatment. No one was reported hurt as a result of the gunshots. A woman who was staying at the residence on Valley View Drive a short distance south of the Ely Park Golf Course called 911 to report what sounded like three gunshots very close to the home. A resident of Holland Street reported hearing a series of booms around the time of the shooting. Binghamton Police Detective Corey Miner said the investigation into the incident is continuing and no one has been charged. He said the shooting was not a random event. A disturbance around dismissal time at Binghamton High School prompted a large-scale police presence. A school resource officer reported an active fight on Oak Street shortly before 2.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Several city police units responded to the area after a large crowd gathered at the scene to observe the activity. State police, Broome County Sheriff's deputies, and four Johnson City police units also went to the west side of the high school for crowd control. A county security officer also responded to the scene. The situation was brought under control quickly. A police department van was called to transport someone to headquarters. Binghamton Fire Medics evaluated one person at the scene for possible minor injuries. He reportedly was taken to a hospital. High school safety personnel and other employees monitored the area around Main and Oak Streets following the disturbance. A Binghamton City School District spokesperson said a school resource officer called for police to respond to an incident that happened in the street. It was not known whether any students were involved in the dispute. Recently, dozens of applications have been submitted by Broome County residents to the Broome County Department of Social Services where benefits were stolen because of electronic benefits transfer skimming. A skimmer device is placed on top of a retail store's card reading machine, allowing the skimmer to copy the card and personal identification, referred commonly as a PIN by EBT cardholders. That allows the scammers to access the electronic benefits transfer account, which in turn allows them to spend the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and Temporary Assistance Cash Benefits. The Broome County Department of Social Services has tips to protect benefits, including changing your PIN immediately and frequently, protect your EBT card and PIN information, and monitor your EBT account regularly for any unusual or, un or unauthorized transactions. 
The Broome County Department of Social Services notes that if you suspect your benefits have been stolen, contact the Broome County Case Integrity Unit. Federal Aviation Administration is investigating after two regional aircraft clipped wings at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. The FAA says the wingtips of GoJet Flight 4423 and SkyWest Flight 5433 made contact about 7 p.m. on Tuesday as both jets were waiting for gate space at O'Hare. The FAA says the two aircraft then taxied safely to the terminals where passengers exited normally. An FAA spokesperson says no injuries were reported. WBBM-TV reports that the SkyWest flight had arrived from Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, while the GoJet flight had arrived from Richmond, Virginia. Former President Donald Trump is expected to return to his New York civil business fraud trial again. Court officials are preparing for Trump to show up today to watch an accounting professor give his opinion on some financial topics important to the case. Then Trump himself is scheduled to take the stand on Monday for a second time. The Republican 2024 presidential frontrunner is devoting a lot of attention to the New York's lawsuit. New York Attorney General James Suit accuses Trump his company, and some executives of misleading banks and insurers by giving them financial statements with assets values. Trump denies any wrongdoing, and he says that the statement's numbers actually fell short of his wealth. That's a look at news. For updates on news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph, this is Binghamton Now, Thursday, December 7th, 2023. Welcome to the program. If you're new to our game, what we do is a live broadcast weekday mornings from 9 to noon. We have occasional guests. We also have plenty of callers, including people just like yourself. So even if you have never called a radio program before, you're welcome to participate. What's on your mind? Something going on in your neighborhood? Something going on in your city or town or a village? Let us know. We're here for you. This is one of the few phone numbers you'll call today that is going to be answered by a real person. 607-772-1290. It is so uncommon to place a phone call and have it answered by a real person. Go ahead. Test it. See for yourself how a talk radio show continues to operate in 2023. Who knew? Even when Marconi invented radio, 
Marconi never expected talk radio to still be around by 2023. So we have managed to defy the odds and surprise the experts. Bit of snow around the area this morning. Roads are generally okay, but slippery in spots. So if you are one of those people who have yet to relearn your winter time driving skills, now now would be a good time. So slow down, be careful, and just pay attention to where you're going. Let's take a phone call. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Give you three guesses. Ah, I bet it's... Oh, Dave from Vestal. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Uh, good. Well, it's, it's not Dave from Vestal, but it's John who went to Vestal last night. Oh! Did you, um... Did you stop by the Vestal Town Hall on... I think it's 605 Vestal Parkway West. I Actually, I don't even know what their address is, but uh, uh, did you stop by the town hall to uh, provide seasoned greetings to the town fathers and mothers? Yes, I did. Unfortunately, the same old ugliness surfaced. Uh, there's chairs in a room. Uh, there's three chairs on the side. I sat in one of the chairs, minding my own business before the meeting began, and I was accosted again by John Schaefer and someone else who works for the town. I, I, I don't know who he is. And uh, Schaefer was going under the legs of the chair, uh, uh, trying to get it out from under me. I was told that I couldn't sit in those chairs. They weren't marked. Uh, they referred to a policy called decorum. I don't know what's sitting in a chair. A chair is still a chair, even though there's no one sitting there. So Schaefer began to take the other two chairs away and then took my chair away with the help of this minion. Uh, then they went to the police officer on duty and said, I tried to reason with him. I mentioned the New York State Open Meetings Law that say the people that are recording meetings and the meeting wasn't even in progress can move about the room, even though I wasn't moving about the room. So it's real, real bad government over there, and hopefully, hopefully it will come to an end. But it's such a cult, uh, Investal. Uh, it's such so deeply rooted that one wonders if it, even if uh, some new people can extinguish this, this madness. You know, uh, when uh, and this is another point. Uh, several months ago, I was at the meeting and I was recording, and the village, or the town, I'm sorry, the town clerk, Deborah Wallace, got her iPhone off on and I began recording me uh, from her position. And you know, that creates, Bob, a public record. When an employee uses a camera on the premises of the town hall to record something, that cannot be deleted. That must be in existence and must be preserved as a public record. So it's going to be interesting to see if the town clerk has that available on her phone. Well, probably now that you've mentioned it on the radio, probably it's been deleted or in well, the process of being deleted. deleted. Well, unless you unless you specifically notified the town by now, by 9.16 a.m., 
on this Thursday morning that you were interested in that purported public record, she might be within her legal rights to delete it because it was, I assume, on her personal phone. And if she had no reason, even though it was in the um, the, the town building uh, during... Was it actually during the meeting or prior to the start no, of the meeting? It was, it was uh, during the meeting. All right. Well, uh, but but again, my point, unless it was something recorded on town-owned equipment and she had any reason to believe that it would be uh, requested by a member of the public, I, I would think if it's on her own phone, she would be able to delete it with impunity. But well, just a guess. I, I mean, let me know how that goes. I will. And uh, also good news, well, a little good news and bad news. As you know, Bob, for months I've been seeking the resumes of the uh, department heads and assistant department heads for Broome County, and uh, it's been a battle. And now they tell me they're ready with redactions, but they're also saying that they don't have certain records. I, I, I just can't imagine someone having a $70,000, job and, and not having a resume on file. Well, the other things, aside from things like um, home addresses and maybe phone numbers, what what would they need to redact? Uh, I don't know. I was, I was puzzled by the delay, which led me to believe that perhaps some, some resumes... Uh, we're being tinkered with uh, because let's face it, Bob, there's a lot of people uh, that have George Santos uh, like uh, 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 problems on their resume. I mean, I've, I've seen more than a few uh, here, uh, but now with George Santos uh, being held accountable, I think we should look into these resumes of these patronage workers and see if they're accurate. Well, Keep me posted on that. Um, as far as uh, I regard you as one of our West Co- West Side correspondents, we actually, I think, have a couple of other uh, contributors, regular contributors from the West Side. Anything new going on on the, the West Side I need to know about? Is the, is the tennis court closed again for repairs? I saw someone tinkering with the, uh, <laughs> the for the Rich David Memorial ice rink. <laughs> Uh, there. Oh, uh, oh well, that's the way, right. Have they? Uh, speaking of that, so have they? Uh, have they uh, added water? Because I know usually around this time of year, the um, parks and recreation employees start to add water for uh, use of the rink. Have they actually started um, adding the the water at the rink off Beethoven Street? Well, I, I think they have. Uh, but I can't be absolutely sure because I was paying attention to driving by, so I, I couldn't do that. I, I, I see you covered a parade yesterday out in the side of the high school. There's a big parade. I was surprised at the uh, the turnout. There, I, I saw, of course, as you would expect for any any call, even even relatively minor and routine, you would expect many, many Binghamton police officers to respond as. I always say out of an abundance of caution, because especially around dismissal time, you don't want something that, you know, is just a run-of-the-mill fight to devolve into something because several dozen students or maybe hundreds of students are milling about the area. So I wouldn't be surprised or never am surprised to see 
some police activity outside the school, say between 2.15 and 3.15 uh, weekday afternoons. But the, the response to what, as I understand it, was, I think, a relatively minor dispute, discussion. Maybe it turned a bit physical, but there were a lot of, inevitably, a lot of people in the area because they were just getting out of class. And so, of course, Binghamton police responded to restore order. And then before you knew it, you had um, the state police, Broome County Sheriff's deputies, Broome County security, and four Johnson City police cars. I don't know how many Johnson City police units were on on the streets of the village uh, yesterday afternoon at 2.30, but four of them showed up for the uh, situation at Binghamton High School. Again, quickly, quickly rectified yeah. by professional law enforcement. I, I've often wondered uh, how you uh, call all cars and how you uh, uh, do that, what the, what the procedure is, who makes, who makes uh, the decision to have all these people show up at one place at one time. It's... Uh, it, it seems the public should be informed. And, and just a note, since you mentioned Johnson City, I was at uh, their uh, meeting, and the mayor said that they're losing, uh, I think, five, which is over 10% of their police force by June 2024 to retirement. Uh, I guess they're putting two guys through the academy. Uh, the mayor indicated that there's going to be a lot of overtime. Uh but I wonder if, because the Johnson City Police Union was very strong supporters of Paul Battisti, I wonder if these guys are going over to his expanded uh, SRO program for a nice, nice double dip. Yeah. I know I would, if, if it were an option. Thank you, John. It's 922. 922 at News Radio, WNBF. Of course, retirements in police agencies are continuing to pose a big challenge and sometimes it's retiring at after they they put in their minimum amount of time and sometimes officers who have stayed past the minimum length of time for retirement eligibility sometimes they've stayed on for a while and then given um current conditions they they finally decide they're not not going to take it anymore. So every every law enforcement officer, he or she has to decide, you want to do just the minimum and then get out and then start the next chapter of your life, or are you going to be able to continue to protect and serve and, and put up with everything that goes with it? Because let's put it this way, I'm familiar with some people in the law enforcement industry and I don't know. I'm not sure I'm not sure how many days I could uh, take on the job given the challenges that they're confronted with um, virtually every day. 607-772-1290 Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. First News
Joseph at 924. Can you dig it? Looking at the uh, newspaper today from Gannett News Industries. Oh, I don't think they want to call themselves news. Gannett Media. The Binghamton edition. That's right, Gannett Media Corporation. Notice, <laughs> they've taken news out of their name. Gannett Media Corporation. Of course, every company has. How many companies actually have news in their name anymore? Even our company, it's Town Square Media. I don't think anybody is allowed to use words like news or radio or television in their name anymore. Because, well, you know, it's because it's so traditional. Anyway, the uh, Binghamton edition from Gannett Media Corporation today on page one features news you can use. The story from Victoria Friel from the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle from the Gannett Media Corporation. And they have um, tips to get your tree home without damage. Your tree was carefully selected. Whether you cut it as a, at a tree farm or pick your favorite pre-cut tree at a lot, but now you need to transport your tree home. Well, finding the perfect tree may be tricky. Transporting the tree home can also pose a challenge. According to the AAA, 44% of Americans planning to purchase a real tree transport the tree using unsafe methods, such as tying the tree to the roof of their vehicle without using a roof rack or placing the tree in the bed of a pickup. And then this article, remember this is, this is the most local story they have here because it's written by a reporter for the Rochester unit. The other news on page one, um, Dateline Israel, about the uh, Hamas hostage strategy. And the other story on the front page of the Binghamton paper is Pearl Harbor Day marks Day of Infamy. So the most local story we have at least it's written, or purportedly written, by a reporter in Rochester. Probably from her home, of course. Well, maybe. I think they still have a newsroom in Rochester. But there's no even reference to New York State. I'm looking on, looking on the front page of the newspaper today, the Binghamton paper. I see no reference at all. Just making a quick scan to anything from New York or Pennsylvania. So that is the local front page. And then they have tips, six tips how to transport your tree. Which reminds me, I have to write a check for another four weeks of that. It's 928. I'm Bob Joseph, News Radio, WNBF, live and local, still reporting. People around here are still astonished, by the way. When they see a reporter actually show up. <laughs> what? What are you doing here? Especially, say, younger people. You know, the, there are a lot of people around here who by now are familiar with what I do. And, and therefore, a lot of times when I show up, they, they actually 
say, hey, Bob, what's up? <laughs> usually they do. So usually no. And then some of the people who are, shall we say, younger and not familiar with what I do, they're always surprised that there is active journalism still being committed in Broome County. <laughs> As they say, for a limited time. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now. But what about the television man? The television man is crazy. Sam with juvenile delinquent wrecks. Oh, man, I need TV when I got T-Rex. What does the television man know, anyway? <laughs> Carry the news. Carry the news. <laughs> Young whippersnappers. Hey, WNBF, it's Thursday. Let's do the weather forecast, shall we? Yes, let us offer the forecast from the National Weather Service. Today, snow. Snow for the next three or four hours in the Binghamton area. Then for the afternoon, a chance of rain and snow showers. Total accumulation during the day, less than one inch. Low today, 36, mostly cloudy tonight with a chance of snow showers. Low 30, partly sunny tomorrow, high 47, mostly cloudy Saturday, high 52. Right now, 29 and light snow in downtown Binghamton, minus two Celsius. WNBF. And for those who need it, AQI Air Quality Index 32. That's good. 935. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob. It's Ron from Binghamton. Morning. Uh, what's what's your morning. what's your perspective from the west side? We heard one of our correspondents already check in. What are your thoughts? What are your aspirations? What are your dreams? Well, I was musing um, and just musing lightly about um, the election in 2024 and what people are feeling and thinking. And, of course, you get a lot of the views of that and uh, from people who call in, and you'll be getting more and more. I, uh, I, had, some, I had some thoughts uh, with uh, the way things are shaping up almost a year from the election. And one thought that came to mind, and this is just a quick aside, um, does Mar-a-Lago have a basement? Is there a basement? It's got to be, right? There must be, because that's where he's operating from. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, um, Biden was, of course, accused of being staying in the basement during the last go-round. 
My and, guess uh, is his basement, the Mar-a-Lago basement, is much more plush than Joe Biden's basement was a few years ago. But just a guess. You know, maybe they're comparable. Yeah, yeah. They're probably full of posters of him. You know. Well, yeah. At, at least yeah, the Mar-a-Lago basement, we're sure, is filled with posters of him. Probably Joe Biden's basement was full of more traditional posters like, oh, I don't know, Farrah Fawcett and uh, Taylor Swift or something. But yeah, you're right. The Mar-a-Lago basement probably has larger-than-life reproductions of the owner of the estate. Yeah. You know, um, let me mention something. I, I read uh, a an editorial. Uh, I bring your attention to it in yesterday's Wall Street Journal. Uh, titled, it, it's it's by a contributor, William Galston uh, of the Wall Street Journal. And the headline is, Are Americans in the Mood for More Trump? And he refers to a survey. You know, of course, we've got surveys going on all the time. But this particular survey uh, was from uh, the Economist slash YouGov, whatever that is, the Economist slash YouGov survey of. Uh, wow, that sounds people. legit. Yeah, well, I don't know. The Wall Street Journal usually puts. In uh, I mean. Okay, I take it back. The Wall Street Journal, look, well, the Wall Street Journal's reporting side is is widely respected. The editorial and opinion side sometimes, we'll just say, is uneven. They, they have, as you know, some uh, very astute opinionators, and then they, they have some people on the editorial board who, I don't want to say they're confused, but some of their, some of their uh, writings make it seem as though they're, they're not not even reading their own paper. Continue. Yeah, well, then take this, uh, uh, as I'm saying this, from the for what it's worth department, okay? Um, what what they're saying in that survey, if, they, if they're correct, is that of the people they polled, uh, 20% of registered voters feel that things in the country these days are under control. Okay, 20, 20% under control. 66% feel that things are out of control. Largely, uh, that's connected to inflation, things going on in the Middle East and Ukraine, uh, the border issues and such. So voters think things are out of control. Can I and, uh, interject or ask a question? Yeah. In your opinion, in your lifetime, when... When do you think things in the United States or in the world were under control? What what year was that? Well, I was uh, actually, I think I was seven years old. I was putting the train around the bottom of the Christmas tree. And, uh, you know, they went around nice on the track and so on. I thought things were in control. Well, I had a train like that, too. I had a Lionel train and it just went around on the circles. And every once in a while, just because it was so under control, every once in a while, just for kicks, I would loosen like one of the, the little things, one of the little tracks to um, cause a little train, toy train derailment because it was so under control. But in terms of the rest of the world or, or even... Our communities, New York, Pennsylvania, the United States, and and uh, the globe. I I'm not aware of even one moment in my lifetime when things 
could have been declared to be under control. That's that's why I'm wondering. You said sixty yeah. only sixty six percent thought things were out of control. I I'm wondering what about the other thirty four percent? Don't they pay attention to the news? Well, you know, Bob, before I say anything about that, I want to get back to that vision in my mind of you kicking the train off the track. I didn't kick it. I, I never, I never kicked my train. What I did was loosen like one of the connectors on one of the rails. So, so one of the, the wheel uh, uh, things would go off the, the track and create a derailment. And it's only, the only reason I did it, it was shortly after I saw the um, outcome of an actual derailment near my home in Endwell. So I wanted to recreate the beauty. The only thing I didn't have were thousands of pounds of rotting cantaloupes, which ah. when, when the train went off the tracks in Endwell on an August day, the stench from rotting cantaloupes was remarkable. To this day, I cannot look a cantaloupe in the eye. Well, is it true that you, you know, again, I'm picturing you uh, disrailing the train in some manner. Uh, is it true that you were known back then as kind of the Dennis, the menace of Endwell? I think that's what you would have been, huh? Mm, the Dennis. Not really, because I, I didn't, I, as, apart from trying to recreate the derailment, maybe... Maybe I was envisioning, say, a future news story because it, it held me in good stead for decades later when I, I've covered a few train derailments here in, in Broome County as a reporter. So maybe I was just envisioning the type of thing I, I might see in the future as I pursued a lucrative career in journalism. Boy, you must have been some kid. I'm telling you. Hey, That's what my mom thought. Show. <laughs> she, she, she. Uh, one of the things she used with the uh, school psychologist when they were discussing me, uh, I'll just take one word as a description: incorrigible. As in, Bobby is incorrigible. Oh, a disruptive influence, probably. Mm, she, yeah, incorrigible yeah, though in I, a good way. Incorrigible could I, be yeah. potentially taken in a good way. You know, that you weren't going to accept the status quo and that you would always be questioning. Look, I I learned how to ask a few questions when I think I was two or three years old. I haven't stopped asking a few questions. I, are you the kid in Endwell back then? You were like eight years old. You, walked, you wore, uh, wore a little fedora that said press on the front of it, you know? No, that was Matt Drudge. No, that was Oh, okay. Hey, but, uh, you know, when when were we, uh, when did we feel things were more in control? From a macro level now, and, uh, you know, this is my opinion, my sense of history, uh, from a macro level, uh, there are differences. The 50, in the 50s, uh, notwithstanding things that went on in the 50s, there were problems and so on, but in the 50s, we felt like uh, things were kind of, if, if dull, they were stable, and we were in control in this country. The 60s, as you know, very much different with what happened in the 60s with uh, assassinations and uh, Vietnam and the disruptions all over on campus and so on. So the 50s seemed to be, to most people, most people would say in the 50s things are under control, whereas in the 60s they wouldn't. As for now, um, you know, I... I'm I'm guessing that a poll would reveal 
that uh, the majority of people think that things are out of control. How much out of control? I don't know, but but out out of control. Well, let's be let's In- stipulate because I have to respond to a point you made about the fifties. The reason. Many people in the 50s may have been under the impression things were under control is because they didn't have access to cable TV. Most people weren't treated to 24-7 cable news in the 50s because they couldn't afford it. And they also, most, couldn't afford uh, cell phones and access to social media and almost instantaneous videos, in fact, some live streaming. It was so expensive, people just didn't have access to that. So, yeah, in their homes, wherever they were, they were under the misimpression everything was under control because they didn't have access. They, the type of news most people would get in the 50s would be from the morning paper here, the Sun Bulletin, in the afternoon paper, the Binghamton Press, and also they'd tune in to Walter Cronkite, who, as good as he was, I'm under the impression, sometimes he suppressed some of the more upsetting news stories until Vietnam came along. Well, uh, you know, uh, I'll leave it to the historians to tell us whether the 50, you know, uh, I... Oh, by know, the way, I misspoke. Cronkite wasn't anchoring right. for... Uh, I don't I don't recall when he actually it was probably Douglas Edwards for most of the fifties at CBS. Edwards, Edwards, hey, do you remember th- talking about names? Do you remember Robert Trout? <laughs> yes, a CBS. Yeah. This Robert Trout, a CBS diplomatic correspondent. I meet. Uh, I think. What about John Cameron Swayze and his Lucky Strike oh, Caravan? Goodness, John Cameron Swayze. It's funny, <laughs> he he taught a course. At the college I went to down in Jersey City, New did Jersey. he? John, yes, John Cameron Swayze. Yes, uh, I, you know, I was a St. Peter's College guy, and uh, he uh, he taught a course there. You know, uh, uh, he was a a very uh, popular uh, personality down in the New York City area, news wise. I don't know if he was national or not. Yeah, he went national. No, he had John Cameron Swayze. Actually, I said the Lucky Strike Caravan. It was the Camel News Caravan. The other thing. Um, that continued the uh, tradition of, or at least uh, the keeping the name Swayze in the news. His son, Cameron Swayze, was uh, a noted CBS news correspondent for uh, for many years, for decades. So, oh, yeah, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't John Cameron Swayze also put the Timex watch in a, like a mix master and then say? It keeps on ticking. I think that was him. So here's the thing. What I didn't realize, and thanks to thanks to uh, Dan Quayle's internet, thankfully Dan Quayle invented the internet, John Cameron Swayze. Dan Quayle. Dan, J. Danforth Quayle invented the internet in 1977. So. I thought Gore invented the internet. Oh, I'm, that's my alternate facts. I'm. I'm. <laughs> what's what's her what's her name? Handed me a five by seven card with alternate facts, and I'm thinking like, you're right. That doesn't seem right, but I just read it because the teleprompter is broken. So one thing I didn't realize about Cameron John Cameron Swayze is he was also a game show panelist during the '40s and '50s. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize that he was on. Um. What was the name of the... What, what's my line or something? Uh, I or? think, yeah, let's see. Oh, um, he, uh, as I mentioned, oh, 
1948, NBC produced the Cam uh, the Camel Newsreel Theater, a 10-minute program of daily events using newsreel film, which he narrated and often scripted. It was a precursor of the modern TV news program sponsored by the highly respected R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company, maker of Camel Cancer Sticks. Ah. So, anyway. Now, you know, uh, Dan, Dan Quill, you mentioned Dan, Dan Quill and the Internet. <laughs> and potatoes, Dan by Quill, the way. If Dan Quill had invented the Internet, uh, you know, he, he would have had the misspelling of potato up there as one of the first. You know, it just occurred to me, the Idaho Potato Council missed an opportunity. They could still do it. To have, um, you know, f secure Jay Danforth Quayle, because I'm sure he would do it for a nominal fee. He could be the, the new spokesmodel for Idaho potatoes, say, for 2024. Hi, I'm Dan Quayle. Maybe, maybe you remember me, because I love potatoes. Or whatever, something like that. Wouldn't that be fun? Or pair him up with Taylor Swift. Ooh. Taylor Swift and Dan Quayle, they would sell so many potatoes... The nation would run out, and that would be a great story for the front page of the Wall Street Journal, the correspondent who about every three weeks, I think she does another story about a, a, a purported shortage we're going to face. And the reason why sometimes it comes true is because people get scared of a story that the Wall Street Journal put out about a, a potential upcoming shortage. And then, of course, every other news organization in the country echoes that. And so, of course, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you get Taylor Swift and Dan Quayle doing TV commercials for potatoes. And then suddenly, like within 72 hours, there won't be a potato to be had. And you know, Bob, since you're breaking that idea or story, I, I'm, I'm thinking of you now, a great Monica, as uh, Bob Bud Joseph. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> At least I'm not like that dog. That, remember that Spud? Spud the dog selling the beer? Hi, I'm Spud the dog selling bad beer. Why would anybody, anybody, whether or not they liked beer, why would they buy a beverage touted by Spud the dog? It's because we're Americans and we're consumers. You can take that to the bank. It's 951. WNBF. WNBF Live at 9.55, Carol in Johnson City. You're on the air. Oh, hi. Uh, hi. That's one of my favorite songs. I think they used to play that at the ballpark sometimes. Uh, anyway, I'm calling about the poor dog's name that you sort of didn't blaspheme it, but Spuds McKenzie. I have a gla I had at Ames, I bought a set of eight glasses with Spuds McKenzie on it. They're probably collector's items. Okay, so Buds McKenzie. Bud's McKenzie, which makes sense. He was selling Bud's beer. Thank you, Carol. James and Binghamton, you're on. Uh, I think it's Spuds. Spuds. Spuds like Spuds like Spuds. potatoes. Okay. It also had me thinking, like, is there a name? Does the RCA dog have a name? I'd be curious about that, you know? And yeah. I'd be cur I'm cur the I'm RCA dog does? Because they, they seem to have their face up in the 
up in the Victrola in a way that I don't know if yeah. you could hear it. Nipper. Yeah. Nipper is the terrier that was on the RCA Victor label. Well, I thought I was making a joke, and you just gave me some information, man. This, is, right. this is why we tune into WNBF News Talk 1290, the station you can depend on. Uh, all right, so wait, who is it? Who was talking about like this? This, this well, he went immediately to nostalgia. So I guess that answers all the questions. But still, did I hear that correctly? That the fifties were a time where where we had where it was all together. It, is is I hear that correctly? Is that is I think that was the that implication. Fifties we were, the were fine. So let's see what was good. We were uh, in, uh, in Korea. Uh, we were at the height of McCarthyism and the Red Scare. Um, is that I could be wrong, but isn't that when the decade that duck and cover came from? Yeah, you know, no yeah, and I think also ready kilowatt. And said the only thing you have to fear is fear itself, and then we're right back to marketing fear. Yep. Um, so fifties yeah, weren't yeah, weren't no. that fun after all. Hey, that's all the time I have. Got the news coming up, James. Hope you have a good okay, day. Okay, love you, Bob. <laughs> have a great weekend. <laughs> we have only fear to fear. News where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. For today, rain and snow showers, high near 36. Mostly cloudy tonight, chance of snow showers with a low around 30. Friday will be partly sunny and a high near 47. One person was hurt when a car crashed at an entrance ramp to Route 17 in Binghamton after someone fired gunshots at the vehicle. The incident occurred late last Friday night at the expressway on-ramp off Prospect Street in the First Ward. A car with four occupants crashed at the Route 17 entrance early Saturday morning. The person who called for help said the crash was caused by a shooting. One of those in the vehicle sustained minor injuries from the crash and was taken to a hospital for treatment. No one was reported hurt as a result of the gunshots. A woman who was staying at the residence on Valley View Drive a short distance south of the Ely Park Golf Course called 911 to report what sounded like three gunshots very close to the home. A resident of Holland Street reported hearing a series of booms around the time of the shooting. Binghamton Police Detective Corey Miner said the investigation into the incident is continuing and no one has been charged. He said the shooting was not a random event. A disturbance around dismissal time at Binghamton High School prompted a large-scale police presence. A school resource officer reported an active fight on Oak Street shortly before 2.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Several city police units responded to the area after a large crowd gathered at the scene to observe the activity. State police, Broome County Sheriff's deputies, and four Johnson City police units also went to the west side of the high school for crowd control. A county security officer also responded to the scene. The situation was brought under control quickly. A police department van was called to transport someone to headquarters. Binghamton Fire Medics evaluated one person at the scene for possible minor injuries. He reportedly was taken to a hospital. High school safety personnel and other employees monitored the area around Main and Oak Streets following the disturbance. A Binghamton City School District spokesperson said a school resource officer called for police to respond to an incident that happened in the street. It was not known whether any students were involved in the dispute. 
Recently, dozens of applications have been submitted by Broome County residents to the Broome County Department of Social Services where benefits were stolen because of electronic benefits transfer skimming. A skimmer device is placed on top of a retail store's card reading machine, allowing the skimmer to copy the card and personal identification, referred commonly as a PIN by EBT cardholders. That allows the scammers to access the electronic benefits transfer account, which in turn allows them to spend the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and Temporary Assistance Cash Benefits. The Broome County Department of Social Services has tips to protect benefits, including changing your PIN immediately and frequently, protect your EBT card and PIN information, and monitor your EBT account regularly for any unusual or or unauthorized transactions. The Broome County Department of Social Services notes that if you suspect your benefits have been stolen, contact the Broome County Case Integrity Unit. Federal Aviation Administration is investigating after two regional aircraft clipped wings at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. The FAA says the wingtips of GoJet Flight 4423 and SkyWest Flight 5433 made contact about 7 p.m. on Tuesday as both jets were waiting for gate space at O'Hare. The FAA says the two aircraft then taxied safely to the terminals where passengers exited normally. An FAA spokesperson says no injuries were reported. WBBM-TV reports that the SkyWest flight had arrived from Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, while the GoJet flight had arrived from Richmond, Virginia. Former President Donald Trump is expected to return to his New York civil business fraud trial again. Court officials are preparing for Trump to show up today to watch an accounting professor give his opinion on some financial topics important to the case. Then Trump himself is scheduled to take the stand on Monday for a second time. The Republican 2024 presidential frontrunner is devoting a lot of attention to the New York's lawsuit. New York Attorney General James Suit accuses Trump his company, and some executives of misleading banks and insurers by giving them financial statements with assets values. Trump denies any wrongdoing, and he says that the statement's numbers actually fell short of his wealth. That's a look at news. For updates on news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. WNBF, live and local. Uh, Thursday morning, I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. This hour, we'll be speaking with the Broome County Executive Jason Garner. Issues of concern to the people who live and work in the county of Broome. And County, oh, Mr. County Executive, welcome back to the program. Good morning. Mr. Joseph, <laughs> happy holidays, Merry Christmas, yeah, happy and, Hanukkah, and all holidays. Happy yeah. holidays to those who celebrate. And to be sure, I, I wouldn't be surprised in December there may be some people who wouldn't celebrate any holiday. But greetings to all, and to all good cheer. Yeah, <laughs> it's just an, 
This this shows you the lev- the level of news this morning. I was so bored I went to Washington Avenue to take a picture of my reflection in a in a holiday ornament on the avenue and then post that on Twitter. That's that shows oh, wow. you how how the day is going so far. So apparently okay. apparently it's a slow news day except it is a nice photo. This is Washington Avenue in Binghamton. <laughs> no, Washington. There is no Washington no, Avenue. Washington Street. Avenue in Endicott. Yeah, Washington Avenue Washington. in Endicott. Washington Street in Binghamton. So you went all the way to Washington Avenue from Binghamton. I did. That's. Well, I'm working on a story. Pretty... I can't. I can't tell you. You'll. You'll find out tomorrow what the story is. But it's. We're. We're going to expose the dark underbelly. <laughs> oh boy. And now people are like, what? And suddenly Linda Jackson is saying, what? Yeah. S- suddenly Patrick Gary is saying, what? <laughs> oh, boy. Suddenly Pat Dorner, everybody is saying, what? The dark underbelly? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But there will be a story about Washington Avenue tomorrow that, that people will enjoy. I, I heard there's some interesting things happening over there that, that are going to happen soon. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic. I have... This is the interesting thing. I, I have a list of at least 10 potential stories in and around Washington Avenue that that I will be tackling. I, I can pretty much guarantee I'm not, not going to get to all of them before the end of the year. But there is a lot that uh, will be on tap in Endicott around the business district. I, I had the pleasure, actually, of um, being in Endicott's holiday parade last Saturday afternoon. And although I had memories of attending the holiday parade as a as a kid when I was living in Endwell, um, this was the first time I was ever actually in the parade. So it was it was a lot of fun to see people well, out on the. I was avenue. there too, but I didn't I didn't see you there. We must have been separated. Yeah, well, they put the important people at the head of the parade, and then they put put me toward the end. Is that why I was at the end? <laughs> where where were you in the parade lineup? Were you in the first half or second half? I, I might have been in the first half. Yeah, that's um, why. That's why you missed me. But, but it was. It was but fun. I will have to say, um, I, I've been in that parade several times, and I've never seen so many people there. Now, I, I I didn't go there when I was a kid, but I I've just in my time as county executive, never seen so many people at that parade. Well, I will say it was an enthusiastic crowd. I think the weather had something to do with it too, because it was unusually yeah. mild. It was cloudy around 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon at the start of the parade, but very mild for the first Saturday in December. Now, as a young lad, when I was living in the Endwell District, and we would go to the holiday parade on Washington Avenue, I can I can attest that it was a much, much larger crowd. And it would, I think they did it, I don't know if they did it on, on Saturdays or if it was a Thursday night, but anyway... You know, times were different back then, back in the 20th century. Um, you know, IBM, IBM, Endicott Johnson, Endicott Forging Works, where they forged all of the, uh, I guess they didn't deal in dollars. I think they only did 50s and 100s, Endicott Forging Works. And what else did they have out there? They had just lots and lots of industry there in Endicott. I will say, though... Oh about my memories of Endicott, as nice as it was, there was a pollution problem because those right. those companies, including 
IBM, Endicott Johnson, Endicott Forging, Union Forging. They had a, uh, a rich tradition of uh, polluting the air, ground, and the water with impunity. So times were different. There were lots of was, jobs. Uh, with yeah. the good came the bad. Yes. For sure, with, with yeah. some of those yeah. places. I, you know, it's interesting. You were, you were talking about the avenue. Uh, I, was, I was talking to somebody in the, the no on the avenue, and I heard, out, heard that uh, the bids are going out for the uh, the work, all the work that we've been waiting for to be done on the avenue. Or they, they're, they either gone out or they're, they're, uh, they're going to go out. Soon. Yeah. So I'm, well, with I, the DRA, DRI, the, yeah. yeah, the Downtown Revitalization yeah. Initiative. I think uh, that would look, I mean, it would really be nice to have that, you know, a lot of that place, uh, you know, the roads done and the, the, the sidewalks done and, you know, that, that kind of stuff done before, uh, before the next parade in 2024. Yeah, It'd be really a, nice to do that. It's a tall so, order. Cautiously optimistic. Fingers yeah. crossed. Well, as you know, with Not DRI, bad. and I've, I've had conversations with officials in a week going Johnson City, the DRI, just because it's, um, it's the state's money, you can't, you can't take one step without making sure it's approved by the, the Albany puppet masters. And I don't mean that, of, uh, yeah, I don't mean that in a bad yeah. way. There's a lot of, uh, they don't just give you the money, which is probably a good thing. Well, right? yeah. In fact, you have to be reimbursed. I was talking with a person right. working on a very ambitious project, and he said, I bet I'm going to put in well over a million dollars. He said, I'm documenting every everything with my contractors, but you know what? I'm not likely to get reimbursed for all these costs until sometime next year. So you basically, right. you have to find some way, whether it's loans or a big stack of money that, that you uh, kept in a safe, you have to be able to pay your bills first. And then ultimately, if you do everything according to the procedures, you would be reimbursed. But it's, I think some people were under the impression that say when a WeGo and Johnson City and Endicott were selected as part of the DRI uh, programs, that, that suddenly the state would, you know, drop off, Fire say, at the, at 10 million? The, yeah, drop <laughs> off, you know, 10, no. 10 crisp. Uh, one million dollar bills over to the mayor's office, and then the mayor would distribute the the money to to the winners of of the programs. Nice. It would be yeah. nice, but that's not how it, it works. Doesn't quite, yeah, it doesn't quite work like that. It's ten seventeen. Speaking of uh, recent developments, and and since this did happen, it was long anticipated, and I wouldn't consider it breaking news, but it did finally occur. The ribbon cutting over at Victory Loss with Matthew Paulus and uh, a lot of people who were involved in the transition of that old, I think you famously called it uh, something to the effect of the, I don't know if it was the ugliest building in Broome County or something, <laughs> but it, whatever you said yeah. perhaps on this program stuck, and now it's, uh, it's totally different than it was just uh, three or four years ago. Yeah, I mean, this is the second place he's done. He did the Ansco Camera Factory building. That was another county-owned building. But, you know, just add a little context. Is, first of all, it's a beautiful project, 156 units. But I was I was thinking that um, about 10 or 15 years ago, if you remember when um, the Southern Tier and other regions were competing for that $500 million award, uh, state award and economic development money, and they had to come up with an application to do it. I think in the application... They looked at that building. They had to look at all these potential projects to put in their application for this potential award. And that was one of the projects. And I'm pretty sure that they had said they had allocated like $7 million to demolish that building. So like 10 years ago, 
people thought the only thing you could do with that building was spend $7 million in public money to demolish it. And I'll, I'll tell you, I said, you know, between the town of union and Broome County, we put about a, you know, a million dollars of ARPA money into that building. And now it's a $40 million project and totally, totally repurposed. I mean, it's just a beautiful facility. I mean, just as you uh, drive by the highway, it's like the jewel of Broome County. And yeah, I did call it the biggest eyesore because it was, it was like a 275,000 square foot eyesore that, you know, stuck out right in the middle of Broome County. And, you know, thousands of people saw that thing as they, they drove by and, and to look at it now with $40 million of uh, mostly private money being put into it. It's uh, it's pretty great to see. And as Matthew Paulus uh, discussed when he was on the program a few days ago, in conjunction with the ribbon cutting, he is uh, now finalizing the plans for his next project in Johnson City, just across from Victory Lofts, the uh, I I call it now the dinosaur building because they. I think that's a great term, by the way. Yeah, the, and because most people have not acknowledged the um, the nice artistic work on the west side of the building, just across from the Johnson City Police Station. I don't know who the artist was who did the rendering of a dinosaur on that, that old EJ Boxto factory, but yep. uh, uh, yes, Matthew Paulus says he's finalizing the plans and. I get the sense he's prepared to make a, a formal announcement early next year about a mixed-use project at that site. That's a really exciting project. I actually think the uh, the Department of Public Art, who have done a number of murals across the county, um, was involved in the uh, the creation of that uh, that dinosaur that I think is, is kind of like a silhouette of a dinosaur. Yes. And, one of the windows of, of that building. But uh, I think that's a great name for that building because uh, it, it, it's, it's smaller, obviously, than the Victory building that they just finished. But um, I think it's actually in worse condition. And I, I wouldn't think you could, you know a building could be in worse condition, but I think they have trees growing out of that building and all sorts of uh, things. And, um, you know, if anybody can do it, it's Matt Paulus. I mean, he, you know, took the Ansco camera factory building, 100 units there, the Victory building, this one. Um, county's been involved in this project as well. And, um, we're, uh, it's going to be a really nice mixed use project. And I think when people hear not just about the housing that's going to come there, but you know, some of the other elements of the project that I think people are really going to like to to see what they're going to be doing there. Oh, by the way, thank you for pointing me in the right direction. You're right. Bruce Gregg, uh, did the airbrush on wood panels five years ago on yep. that building. And again, it's even listed on on the um, Broom Public Art website, and it's called Dinosaur. Bruce had the idea for creating the illusion of a dinosaur trapped in one of the many abandoned buildings in Johnson City. So during the mural fest in 2018, he painted each panel. A team from the Department of Public Art painted the existing boards on the building black and installed the painting panels on ladders. So, thank you. So, I, you pointed me in the right direction. I should have figured it out because, again, the Department of Public Art has been responsible for several dozen murals around Broome County since the uh, the program began. I think it's a good example of again, you know, that, that you did you say that was done in 2018? Yes. Um, you know, this this is what people were thinking they could do with that building. Basically, you know, it's a beautiful mural, but like basically, the only thing people thought you could do with a building like that is maybe 
paint a mural on it and make it look a little bit better because nothing else was happening to it. And you know, the fact that you're going to have a $12, million, $12 $15 million development here, mixed-use development, bringing, again, more important housing uh, that we need in this community and a building like that, um, I think it really kind of shows you uh, – you know, the, what the potential of the county is now um, when, you know, before we were talking about demolishing these places and now, you know, we have people that are willing to invest and, and work with us to um, renovate these places and make them look uh, really beautiful. Interestingly, uh, at one point a few years ago, uh, some local and state officials were even talking about turning that place into some sort of uh, craft beer packaging and distribution center, which that was right around the time that um, craft beer started taking off here in, in the southern tier. That would have been an interesting thing to, because a lot of people that were making craft beer, they liked to make beer, but they didn't have the money to um, can or bottle their, their products for distribution. But right. I, I, I get the sense if Matthew Paulus moves forward with the type of project he's been talking about, that would be a a far more productive use for the old building. Yeah, the, 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 you know, obviously the housing is really important, but um, again, and, you know, I'll let him make these announcements. The, the other parts of, of that project are incredibly important to Broome County. And I, you know, I, I think uh, bottling things are nice. You know, everybody needs to have their craft, craft, craft brews bottle, but I, I think, uh, the things that he wants to put in that building are, are uh, people. People will look at that and say, "Wow, that's uh, that's really something that we really need here." So, looking forward to that. Uh, I think I think he's going to announce that in another month or so. All right. Well, something to look forward to in early 2024. We'll continue our conversation with Broome County Executive Jason Garner on this Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF, December 7th, Thursday morning, and Bob Joseph. Binghamton now are talking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner, and uh, there was a big announcement right before Thanksgiving about the Boscov's department store in downtown Binghamton with uh, millions of dollars in needed upgrades, a lot of internal work for uh, the building's critical systems that should be getting underway soon. And the county actually uh, played a part in in putting together a, a package of funding that ultimately can be used by Boscovs to um, upgrade the building that the uh, company based in Pennsylvania leases. So tell me a little bit about how that came to pass and how Broome County, along with the city of Binghamton and New York State, Assemblywoman Donald Leparo, how all these little pieces or big pieces managed to come together for the announcement that was made just a few weeks ago. Sure. I mean, that that was a great announcement. Um, you know, I, I remember going to Boscow's as a kid. I remember my mom taking me. I, I remember it, you know, obviously it's it's had some 
you know, changes over the past few years, especially as, as it's gotten older. But, you know, I remember going in there and um, going back to school shopping and eating at, there was a restaurant there at one point. I think there was a hair salon there that my mom took me. Yeah, I think, I think they had a hair saloon. I remember yeah. in the early days, and I don't know if you got there in time, there was even uh, Pat Mitchell's counter where you could get Pat Mitchell's ice cream. That was, uh, I think, uh, might have, you might have might just have missed before, it. Yeah. Might have been before my time. But, you know, I, I had great memories. Uh, that, that was like one of the, the, the go-to places we go to back to school shopping. And there's there's still a ton of people. I, me- I remember going when, you know, you, I think you were in there for the announcement. When I went into the building to make the announcement, there was a lot of people in there, despite the fact that the building needs, obviously, a lot of work done. And, um, you know, when, when Mayor Cram got elected, I think even before he took office, you know, we sat down and, and talked about how we could work together. And, um, you know, he had a lot, he got a lot of priorities he wants to, to get done, but, um, this was one of his priorities. And, um, you know, we, we all just don't work in vacuums. We talk to each other, we try to support each other. And, um, you know, talking to Boscow is, uh, this is a building that's owned by the city, uh, the BLDC and, uh, it's a public building and it just needs, uh, a ton of upgrades. And, you know, we looked at it and we said, there's a lot of people work there. There's a lot of sales tax that's generated there. And then it's, it's a, it's one of the few department stores that's left any, any downtown. It's certainly important to the rest of, of downtown. So, um, it's, it's something that, you know, the city, the County, uh, certainly the state, uh, all work together to, to find some funding to fix up this building. And, and what we wanted to see was Boscow's make a long term commitment. And uh, I think a lot of people had been, you know, we we're happy that Boscow's was here, but everybody, you know, every year, you know, going back, I don't know how many years that people have been on edge that uh, are they going to sign that one year extension? Or are they going to stay here another year? And, uh, you know, Boscow's uh, wanted to see work uh, done on that building. Again, that's owned by the city. Um, to, to be able to be uh, confident that they could stay here long-term. I mean, there's, there's stuff, you know, the bathrooms are a mess, uh, you know, stuff's leaking around there. It's, it's just, uh, the, the whole building needs a lot of work, no matter what's happening. You've got a great, uh, a great anchor there that that's willing to stay there and even put some of their own money into the building as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I think it's important. I think it's a, a, an important project to the city of Binghamton, uh, city of Binghamton and to Broome County. And, and we're, we're glad to be part of it. And tell me about the county's contribution. And this was ERPA money. This is the so-called, well, it was the federal money that was provided to various governments yep. around the country uh, uh, during or as we were emerging from the pandemic. Tell me about uh, the, the money that the county is allocating for Boscos. So yeah, it's a $10 million project. And uh, uh, Assemblywoman Lopardo secured $5 million from the state. I think the city is putting in two and a half million dollars. The county's going to be putting in a million dollars. And we've, we've done some other projects like this because we, listen, we, we think jobs are important. We think growing our economy is important as we build back from COVID. It, it, uh, these types of projects aren't the, you know, certainly the only types of projects we put ARPA money into, but like, you know, very similar to what we did at the mall. I mean, we, uh, you know, partnered with the mall to, you know, uh, put ARPA money there and, you know, look what's happened at the mall, uh, we, we paid for a lot of the infrastructure work, uh, the pipes and things like that, that run under the, the ground there. And we think that's worth it. I mean, these are the, 
these are the projects that are needed to have a, a really strong economy and um, provide jobs and and uh, you know uh, sales tax revenue and things to do for people. It's it's, it's really important. So uh, I, th- I think they're really uh, good investments, especially as we recover from COVID. When uh, gosh, uh, you know, we weren't getting any sales tax revenue for a while. A lot of places were shutting down, and it's great to see people uh, you know come back and and. Um, you know, like Boscow's and, and like the, the Oakdale Commons uh, make long-term commitments to stay and, and grow even and bigger. So we're happy to support that. Would the county support the work that would be necessary to bring back the original exterior? Because that's been covered up now for about 50 years. They, as part of uh, a remodeling project, I think in 1972, they uh, put this overlay on. I guess it's supposed to look like brick, but some people who like the architecture here in Binghamton would like to see that um, back again. You think the county would be in a position to contribute to um, a, a project that that would make that possible if it's if it's technically possible? Jim Boscov says uh, he would like it to be done if it is feasible. Well, I, I, I could tell you uh, that, that I think that's a great idea. I think that the question is, is whether people have the money to do it, right? I think it's a beautiful, I, I, just like I think a lot of people we've seen, I think you posted it on your own website, uh, you know, kind of like uh, the, the rendering of what it would, you know, the building used to look like when you peel off that, the outer layer. And it's absolutely uh, a beautiful building. Um you know, I'd have to see how much money it would cost to do that, right? Um, you know, you talked about the Victory Building. One of the biggest expenses on that building um, were, were the windows, and I, I can't imagine what it would cost. I would think you'd have to replace just all the the windows on that that building alone. So I I I'd need to see how much it costs, and that that's one of the things that you know, as elected officials who are responsible to the taxpayer, we have to decide, right? It'd, it'd be great to put some money into that building and make it look like that, like it was before. Um, question is, is how much, and you know, uh, how much money do you have and, um, you know, how much money is it going to cost? And, um, it, it, do you have the funds to be able to do that and, and be responsible to the taxpayers? So I, you know, it'd be nice, but, um, like everything, everything, uh, costs something. And I have no idea how much that, that project would cost. I would imagine it would cost quite a bit of money to bring it back the way it was. Yeah. Somebody is, I think the city did a feasibility study a few years ago and, estimated was 300 or 350 thousand dollars but that was then undoubtedly the cost have gone up and assemblywoman donna lapardo also pointed out about the windows they'd have to be replaced with energy efficient windows and looking at the um historic uh, view or an old postcard that showed what the fowler's building originally looked like i'm estimating that there could be as many as 75 windows maybe more Let's face it, windows. 75 <laughs> windows on, on Court and Water Streets that the windows alone could, who who knows, could run you half a million dollars in, in 2024 money. So who knows? Absolutely. And, and, but, but I understand it, right? Like I understand, you know, the, the, the mayor is certainly interested in doing it, but I think the mayor's got to take a look, you know, I think he's going to, like anything, he's going to have to take a look at the cost of it. Um, Assembly Lopardo is a huge supporter of historic preservation. I mean, the work that she was able to do with us over at the old Carnegie Library with the Culinary Building was was pretty amazing. I mean, the city of Binghamton has these, 
big, beautiful buildings. Um, unfortunately, some of them were uh, absolutely, like Boscos were absolutely ruined during urban renewal. I don't know what what quite people were thinking about during that time period, but um, it would it would certainly be great to to bring back. Um, the splendor of all these buildings, like we've been able to do with with some of them, um, again, it just you know comes down to uh, you know do you have the means to be able to do it, and uh, that that's the number one question, especially in today's environment where everything is like thirty or forty percent more than what you thought it was going to be. It's ten thirty seven. We're speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner on this Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now on WNBF. Ten thirty-nine WNBF. Binghamton now. I'm Bob Joseph, talking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. The uh, project on Binghamton's north side for veteran services. I understand that there may be uh, a delay or some sort of snag about the tiny homes component of that project. Is that true? It's a. It's not going to delay the project, but basically we. Um it's a two-phase approval project. The first uh, approval part was approving the building, and the second approval part uh, that the next month was approving the housing part of the project, the tiny homes housing part of the project that you referenced. And um, what the and the reason why we wanted to do that is we wanted to make sure when we uh, got the bids back that we could afford everything. So uh, we had approval from the legislature to build the building. And then, um, we wanted to wait and see what the bids, the total bids came in, um, to see if we could afford the, uh, the housing and, um, the bids came back in and it came in right at, uh, right at the, right at, at the, uh, it, it broke even. It, it, it came right at what we thought it was going to be. So we're able to afford the project. Some of the legislators had some questions about the housing. They had some questions about, um, you know, how would we, run the housing. It's our intention to get a local housing provider to be able to, to run the housing component of it. The county is certainly not going to be a, a, a housing, uh, you know, manage housing or anything like that. Um, you know, some of them asked some questions, and, you know, at the meeting that, um, you know, we, we had to get, take some time to, to answer. So uh, one of the legislators held over the uh, the resolution, which would have allowed us to do the, the housing part of as well. That's going to come back uh, in front of the legislature next week. It doesn't slow down the, the, the progress of the building um, or anything like that. And I'm entirely sure that um, that, that will be approved on Thursday and, and talking to a number of legislators about it. Do you recall who held it over? Uh, I think Legislator Whalen did. Oh, okay. Mark Whalen. Yep. All right. Um, but at this point, you're you're still operating under the the um, assumption or ex- expectation that it will receive approval because this was the, I, I think, as we've talked about over the last several months, it, it could include, what, uh, 10? Yeah, it, 10? it includes 10. Uh, tiny homes, they would be the first of its type in our community. It's been a model that has been uh, growing in popularity throughout the 
throughout the United States for a variety of different things, but plus it's, it's, it's for, you know, veterans that, that need housing. And, and we, we think it's really important that every single veteran that, that needs a place to stay can, can get one. So, uh, but listen, I used to be a legislator and, you know, I, I, uh, I think I've held some things over in my day too. Uh, if I didn't, uh, you know, if I had more questions and needed more time to weigh in on something and that's a, that's a legislator's prerogative. So, uh, you know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're, we'll, we'll work with the legislature if they have any other additional questions and as we proceed to that vote next week. But I, um, I've heard a lot of great things, a lot of, a lot of support in talking to a lot of the legislators uh, about the housing component of the project. And, um, you know, I, I do expect that to pass on Thursday and we'll uh, start construction early next year on it. How much is the housing component pegged at? What's the price tag, do you recall? The I believe the total price tag is one point seven million dollars, but we have a you know between uh, three federal grants, about a million and a half of that is paid for. So that that's the part for the tiny homes. That's separate right. from the veteran services building. Yes. Okay. Correct. And for the veteran services building, you recall what that component is offhand? The whole the whole project is about ten million dollars. Okay. And, but that's before we, you know, our federal and our, our state grants that we were able to obtain from um, uh, both of our senators, Gillibrand Schumer, um, our, our uh, House member Molinaro, um, then Senator Akshar provided, a, you know, a, a good deal of funding for it along with Assemblywoman Lopardo as well. And do you anticipate then construction would start next year? Oh, Yeah. I expect that in um, you know January, you know you'll you'll start to see things happen in the site. Maybe maybe February, but we you know we want to get right into it. And for people not familiar with the site, this is just off Shenango Street. I guess the official address is five thirty State Street. It's next to the yep. Family Dollar Store. Used to be uh, a bowling alley. State Bowling Center used to be at that site. It did, and then uh, Salvation Army was going to do a community center there, and the, you know they were never able to get the funding there. And it's just a a piece of property. It's very, uh, it's right on the bus line. Um, it's an, it's got a, a it's a couple acres. It's enough for us to do the housing component and the the building project component, where we're going to put all the veterans, different veterans service agencies, right in one building in the county. And it's very close to uh, the counseling center and also the the VA as well there. And close to yeah, the all to, close to the all new Binghamton Plaza. Yeah, I'm really yeah. I think that's uh, I, I think that whole area is uh, gonna. There's going to be a lot of interesting things and gr- good things happening at that area with the the Kmart, the old Kmart Plaza, and um, there's going to be a you know the, the whole Country Town Apartments is going to get like a forty million dollar renovation, which is, is really uh, badly needed. So. Um, that's you know, the other thing that we kind of consider. There's uh, there's there's a lot of good good development happening over there as well. Um, you know, right now and in in the future. We're speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner on this Thursday morning at ten forty six. More to come on Binghamton now. Council.
News Radio, WNBF 1048. With Bob Joseph, we're talking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. The airport, anything new with the uh, improvements at the airport? I know uh, work is underway, and it's uh, a significant project. Yeah, nothing nothing new there uh, except working on that uh, project. And um, I think we're doing uh, the asbestos removal part of the project. So, you know, as you go up to the airport, you're, you're still able to go into it, but you're, you're definitely seeing a lot of uh, construction come, um, you know, aside from that construction component. Um, we, uh, you know, I think we made an announcement last week about our air show in 24 and the Blue Angels are, are coming. I think a lot of people are, are excited about that. And one of the F-18s flew into Broome County to the airport and we were able to meet um, part of that team that'll be coming in here the, the first week of July for the air show. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really substantial project. It's one of the larger projects I think Broome County's ever um, done. There's a, um, of course it's a, a large part of that is wrapped up in a, a state grant that we got, but um, yeah, we're, we're getting into that project. And then you, when you go up there, you'll, you'll definitely see that there's work happening around the site. Any new service? Everybody wants this wants this question asked every month. You know it. Any new service on the horizon? Uh, no, uh, no announcements uh, happening next week. But you know, our airport commissioner uh, continues just actually having a conversation with him um, about uh, a conversation he had with um, several airlines. He continues um, meeting with airlines and. And trying to get them to come in here and 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 get airlines to understand that um, you know we have the population, the people that can fill seats uh, on different routes. It's uh, just a tough thing. A lot of it's uh, a lot of it's out of county control, and it and it comes down to just sheer numbers um, that that airlines use. But um, the, obviously, the con- the conversations continue, and you know we continue to uh, to make improvements that we think we need. That you know maybe will be a little bit more helpful in getting airlines to come in. Is the process, progress continuing as as the IDA is working to possibly develop the industrial park in uh, the town of Maine and the town of Union, not far from the airport? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a, an IDA project. And, um, you know, as I've said, um, listen, if we're going to have a, a long-term economic future for the county, I mean, we just talked about, uh, you know, all these old buildings are uh, have either been demolished or they've been repurposed. There's not a lot of land that that's available, and um, if we're going to be able to attract companies of uh, today, you know, the next few years, and even in the next 15 or 20 years, you think about that the uh, the current industrial park that they have. Um, you know, just just as recently as a few years ago, like Amazon came there and some other, you know other places, and and that's like a 40 year old park. Um, so we're not just thinking about the next couple of years. We're thinking about the next 40 years. We need land. We need developable land that is close to the highway. I don't care where it is, but we need it to be able to attract companies to come here and provide a future for the people that live here and try to get more people to, to come and live here. So, um, you know, they're going through a, a process that, you know, the first part of it was the purchase of the land, but, you know, they got to work with, there's two towns involved and they, they got to work with the, the towns to uh, get through the, the rest of that process. But I, you know, I, I do give a lot of uh, credit to Stacy Duncan. Um, you know, I mean, 
people that you want in economic development are people like her who, you know, want to do these types of things. Uh, she could easily just sit back and do nothing. And uh, we, we, where would we be if we didn't do nothing over the last seven or eight years? Um, she's not that type of a person. She wants to make investments in our community. I, I can't tell you how many times I go around to people and, and, you know, especially, you know, when people were, I would talk to people seven, eight years ago. Oh, I wish my kids could stay here. I wish my kids, you know, had a, had a nice job here. Well, we, we've got a lot of jobs now and we need more jobs and we need jobs for the future. And that's the whole, whole part of this project in order to have jobs, you need to have this type of land. Uh, you see what's happening up in Syracuse with Micron. We're not going to bring a Micron in here, but you know, I, I'd be happy with a, you know, a portion of that. Yeah, um, a mini micron. That's what we're trying to do. A mini micron. A mini micron. We could bring a mini micron or, or anything like that, but 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 it, they had to secure like a thousand acres of land. We're talking about a couple hundred acres of land here. And, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's something that's needed in our community or else we will not be able to grow as a community. So, um, you know, wherever it's put, it's needed. And um, you also want to be able to work with a local local community to do it. I, I think when they start to get their renderings out and they start to show people what the park is going to be, I, I think it's, it's not very invasive. I don't think there's going to be a you know a million cars going up there, and I think they're going to do it. Um, you know, if you go to that intersection there up on Airport Road, there's a you know that what they call that the Airport Corporate, corporate Park. It's set back. You know, quite a bit. You can barely even see it from the road. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that they're they're talking about there. But you know, I mean, to I think the the residents there, um, understandably, uh, without seeing you know more information, might, right? Like it's going to be on the the IDA's uh, part to to go and meet with residents and have a lot of public forums and show them what's going to be out there and and work with the towns and and uh, you know have a lot of transparency. I think that that's really important and and I think. Uh, and I know that that's what the IDA is going to do. They're going to go through that that whole process and and do that. But one issue we, need, we only have a, a we only have a couple minutes left in our segment. But one issue doesn't get a lot of attention, and yet it's costing Broome County a lot of money uh, this year, and actually in recent years, and it's not going to change. The cost of housing the homeless. How much is Broome County going to spend this year on uh, hotel rooms? or motel rooms, uh, accommodating people who are homeless. Yeah, I mean, a lot of money. I don't have the money right out in front of, you know, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but, you know, substantial amount of money. Um, Several million you know, dollars, correct? Close close to that. Um, again, I don't have the specific numbers. I'll, I'll get them to you. But, yeah, it's it's absolutely an expense. And um, we are required by law. The state requires us, to, uh, when it's cold blue, 32 degrees or, or uh, colder out, to uh, when people, when the shelters are full, we have to put people in hotels and motels. And that's why you've seen the county involved in many projects, whether it's market rate or affordable. We talked about some of the affordable projects that will break ground next year. Johnson City Grand Avenue, 75 units, Country Town Apartment, 75 units, Helio Health in downtown Binghamton, 100 units. There's some other affordable places. That's why we're supporting that type of housing so everybody has a permanent place to live and we don't have to put people in motels because I don't think any, I, I think we could all agree that that is not something that we want to do. But if you don't have the housing, you got to put people somewhere. And that's why we're trying to invest in, in more permanent housing. Have any migrants started to move into Broome County? Uh, none that, none that I, that I know of. And, um, you know, our, our state of emergency remains 
in place. Uh, we are continuing to prohibit New York City from um, um, bringing, you know, contracting with uh, hotels and motels. Um, one of the reasons why we just talked about it, it would push our own homeless population out of those places. And, um, and why we also continue our emergency order, we're, pro- we're prohibiting New York City housing vouchers from, from being used up here because we think it will displace our, our own residents and, and those state of emergencies remain in effect. Broome County Executive Jason Garner, thank you as always. And we'll keep in touch with you if we don't speak uh, again this year. Although we may. Sounds great. Actually, uh, we might have a year-end wrap-up. Who knows? But I, I wish you happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody in Broome County. Thank you. We're live and local. It's Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. For today, rain and snow showers, high near 36. Mostly cloudy tonight, chance of snow showers with a low around 30. Friday will be partly sunny and a high near 47. One person was hurt when a car crashed at an entrance ramp to Route 17 in Binghamton after someone fired gunshots at the vehicle. The incident occurred late last Friday night at the expressway on-ramp off Prospect Street in the First Ward. A car with four occupants crashed at the Route 17 entrance early Saturday morning. The person who called for help said the crash was caused by a shooting. One of those in the vehicle sustained minor injuries from the crash and was taken to a hospital for treatment. No one was reported hurt as a result of the gunshots. A woman who was staying at the residence on Valley View Drive a short distance south of the Ely Park Golf Course called 911 to report what sounded like three gunshots very close to the home. A resident of Holland Street reported hearing a series of booms around the time of the shooting. Binghamton Police Detective Corey Miner said the investigation into the incident is continuing and no one has been charged. He said the shooting was not a random event. A disturbance around dismissal time at Binghamton High School prompted a large-scale police presence. A school resource officer reported an active fight on Oak Street shortly before 2.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Several city police units responded to the area after a large crowd gathered at the scene to observe the activity. State police, Broome County Sheriff's deputies, and four Johnson City police units also went to the west side of the high school for crowd control. A county security officer also responded to the scene. The situation was brought under control quickly. A police department van was called to transport someone to headquarters. Binghamton fire medics evaluated one person at the scene for possible minor injuries. He reportedly was taken to a hospital. High school safety personnel and other employees monitored the area around Main and Oak Streets following the disturbance. A Binghamton City School District spokesperson said a school resource officer called for police to respond to an incident that happened in the street. It was not known whether any students were involved in the dispute. 
Recently, dozens of applications have been submitted by Broome County residents to the Broome County Department of Social Services where benefits were stolen because of electronic benefits transfer skimming. A skimmer device is placed on top of a retail store's card reading machine, allowing the skimmer to copy the card and personal identification, referred commonly as a PIN by EBT cardholders. That allows the scammers to access the electronic benefits transfer account, which in turn allows them to spend the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and Temporary Assistance Cash Benefits. The Broome County Department of Social Services has tips to protect benefits, including changing your PIN immediately and frequently, protect your EBT card and PIN information, and monitor your EBT account regularly for any unusual or, un or unauthorized transactions. The Broome County Department of Social Services notes that if you suspect your benefits have been stolen, contact the Broome County Case Integrity Unit. Federal Aviation Administration is investigating after two regional aircraft clipped wings at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. The FAA says the wingtips of GoJet Flight 4423 and SkyWest Flight 5433 made contact about 7 p.m. on Tuesday as both jets were waiting for gate space at O'Hare. The FAA says the two aircraft then taxied safely to the terminals where passengers exited normally. An FAA spokesperson says no injuries were reported. WBBM-TV reports that the SkyWest flight had arrived from Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, while the GoJet flight had arrived from Richmond, Virginia. Former President Donald Trump is expected to return to his New York civil business fraud trial again. Court officials are preparing for Trump to show up today to watch an accounting professor give his opinion on some financial topics important to the case. Then Trump himself is scheduled to take the stand on Monday for a second time. The Republican 2024 presidential frontrunner is devoting a lot of attention to the New York's lawsuit. New York Attorney General James Suit accuses Trump his company, and some executives of misleading banks and insurers by giving them financial statements with assets values. Trump denies any wrongdoing, and he says that the statement's numbers actually fell short of his wealth. That's a look at news. For updates on news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now on a Thursday morning. Another big hour ahead. 607-772-1290. Call in. Again, the number is 607-772-1290 if you'd like to talk on WNBF. Airport Road Bob from the town of Maine. You're on the air. Good morning, Airport Road Bob. 607-772-1290. They never said to expect 100% call satisfaction. They never said. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Airport Road Bob. Welcome. Listen, you know, I had to call. I, um... Uh... 
I would love to sit down and uh, have a conversation with Mr. Gardner. Um, and I'd like to, you know, have all of the audience here. The real truth about this corporate park project, you know, the IDA has not been transparent, and this project is 14 months old. Now, if they're getting a half a million dollars up front, and they're looking to take this to a type one project with 600 acres, um, would you not think that there should be some paperwork and some transparency here somewhere along the line? Um, Ms. Duncan has just continually um, pushed this project with um, mistruths. I won't, you know, um, she hasn't talked to any of the people. I've talked to hundreds of residents over the last 14 months about this project. I personally know four of the five people who have gotten the eminent domain letters. And out of all of those people, she's only talked to one, okay, that I know of, okay? She's continually talking about this is a multi-generational project that's going to pay off in 40 years. Well, we the residents don't care about anything 40 years from now. We bought our houses. A lot of us have lived there for 50 years or more. We want our quality of life. There are no people to work the jobs if they even get this project off the ground. Um, there's been so many mistruths. I personally talked to Mr. Delapena the other day um, about this project and his property that they are still pending the, the sale of. Um, he did not want to sell. He was forced into an eminent domain situation and now feels as though he's been uh, robbed of a potential landfall. You mean the uh, the owner of the approximately 300 acres? Yes, Mr. Delapena, yes. Really? I and he's, he's dissatisfied with how this has gone? Yes, very much so, because he just sold some another 22 acres in the same area to a solar company for 22,000 an acre. So even though the 5,000 an acre looks great, um, potentially he lost uh, $17,000 an acre. And if you look at that other solar project that's going to be um, coming up in the town of Union between Cot Road and Rhodes Road, again, they want to change zoning for this solar farm. That property, I understand, is uh, over $30,000 an acre. So um, this has been a dirty deal from the beginning. Um, people should not be approached by eminent domain for their properties. I mean, if you've been down East Main Road and been by the Christmas tree farm, what a beautiful sign they put up in front of their house. They want to take their Christmas tree farm. Um, these people invested 50 years in their property. It takes them 20 years to grow a product to sell. And the IDA wants to come in and take their property by eminent domain. Mr. Gardner needs to learn the rules, learn the facts. Um, I've reached out to everybody. Fox 40 has been the only news station that's taken the time to show up at a meeting um, and to say anything about this. Um, Channel 2, the, um, Jim Emke, haven't heard a word from all of them, and they've all been notified that we are available to talk to them. The uh, Sierra Club showed up. They're, they're not happy with this project because it doesn't fit the the terrain um bob 14 months into a type one project for 600 acres 
and there is no paperwork anywhere in the town of Maine or the town of Union. And Broome County, on my FOIA request, said that they had no information on this project. What's going on? Hey, I hope your callers pay attention. Some of you guys that call in every day, take, take a look. There's two videos you should watch. It's called the agency. It's the Broome County Industrial Development Agency. You watch the April 2023 public meeting, and you watch the October 18th public meeting from 2023. And you tell me that it doesn't look like the three stooges in a room talking about a project that they have no idea what to do with. I'm telling you, it's, it's hilarious. I can't believe they put it on public, um, for public viewing. Well, I'm glad they do. At least, at least in that sense, their meetings, the public portion of their meetings are transparent. You can't say that about some governments. Actually, most governments around here won't put any of their meetings online even if they were just normal and not dealing with any, any potentially controversial issue. So I credit the IDA and a few other local agencies and governments that at least do allow for live streaming, which the IDA does, and also archives their meetings so people can see and hear the discussions. So at least there's some level of transparency there that doesn't exist for, I'd say, most other government operations around here. So you have to give them credit for that. I agree. And I, I, I wish everybody was on public video. So all, all town board meetings were live streamed. There's yeah. I mean, what about the town of Maine? What about the town of Union? What about the town of Windsor? What about the town of Conklin? What about the town of Shenango? What about the town? You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, what about the town of Vestal? You know, the best town with the, the brightest people on the planet and, um, certainly we believe to be financially in good shape. You know, when the town of Vestal, when the supervisor says, implies the main reason they won't live stream and then archive their meetings, the town board meetings and planning and so on, and implies the reason is because of cost, you got to wonder. I mean, if Binghamton can do it, I mean, Binghamton does it, I will say not particularly well. I mean, the audio and video needs work, but at least it's there. So you, you may not be able to hear everything that's being said, but you can at least hear some of what transpires. Correct. You know, rest of the local governments, I don't know what their problem is. You know, it's almost 2024. This is stuff that should have been handled 10 or 15 years ago easily. You're right. And I just got one question to ask, and you can uh, take your callers. Did you watch the videos after I sent the emails to you? I didn't watch them in their entirety. I watched portions, and but I think I saw the parts that that were relevant, or at least portions. I, I admit, I don't think I saw um, from the April and October meetings. I don't think I watched the entire discussion, but I got the gist of what you were referring to. So. Well, the October meeting is the biggest one. The I April know. meeting is mostly about the uh, talking about eminent domain. And then right. never, but yeah, again, never my, my point, and, and give the IDA this much credit and the uh, uh, local development corporation, the fact that when their meetings take place, they're live streamed. I, I think they've got a pretty good consistent record right now. And they're also archived. And I've, I've seen no evidence that they're... They're trying to, in that sense, uh, 
keep people in the dark. Now, as far as the overall approach to projects and land purchases and things like that, you could discuss that. But again, give them a whole lot more credit than than most government entities around here who, for whatever reason, I mean, it, it mystifies me, this penchant for secrecy, because I don't care what government it is, village, town, county, city, state, federal, they aren't working for themselves. They're working for us, and we pay them enough at all these levels to afford at least minimal streaming services and minimal archiving services for every public meeting. I'll give you a lead so you can follow it up if you get a chance to talk to Ms. Duncan. They just, uh, they're getting some money to do the uh, old GE uh, property there on Main Street in Johnson City. They're going to raise the property level by 12 feet in order to be able to build something. So I'll give you a lead you can follow up. Yeah, we did a story that they were planning on doing that. I, I think she talked about it the last time that she was on uh, the program. That uh, Let's see, we did that story in March. Old Westover BAE system site may be raised to spur development. Although, I'm recalling, you say 12 feet they're now discussing? Yes, she said 12 feet at the town of Maine meeting. Yeah, let me... Let me see. For some reason, I think they were talking a little bit less um, because when she was on earlier this year, she said the cost of bringing the site above the floodplain could be about $4 million. And uh, she did say back then that uh, they were about to submit the application for state funding for uh, the work. So I think it was going to be submitted last March. So maybe they have received some good news. Actually, it was the town supervisor, Robert Mack, who said um, they were planning on eight or nine feet. And I I don't see if, uh, in my story, I don't think I made a specific reference from Stacy Duncan uh, how much, but so 12 feet probably makes sense. Hope I hope they can do it. And then I hope they can find somebody to locate... Um, you know, a, a business, a good, appropriate business that could bring some jobs. All right. Well, have a great day and uh, keep your head up. All right. Thank you. It's eleven twenty-one. This is Bob Joseph on your side. I'm just trying to cover things around here. It's, I know you're. Why do you have so many questions? Well, don't you want me to ask questions? Of course, you want me to ask questions. I'm basically your surrogate because you don't necessarily have the ability to ask questions to local officials. So when I have an opportunity, I pretty much consider myself to be your re- uh, your representative. You didn't choose me, I admit, but at least some of these questions can be answered and then we can find out more of what's going on. We bring you information. That's why all elected officials all agency heads, everyone who is part of the governing process around here, they're all welcome on the program. You know that. Heck, they know that. This is Bob Joseph. Bingham to know. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. 
Hey, yeah. 1024 at WNBF. Back to the phones. Dave and Vestal, good morning. Hey, good morning there, Bob. Bob, you know, I want to talk a little politics. I wanted to mention the debate last night. But before I do, I got to tell you, yesterday you you made me look so good. But I go, watch, watch. When Bob comes back from commercial, he's going to be, I told my wife, I go, he's going to be playing Love That Dirty Water. And you did, Bob. You did it. And she looked at me, she goes, how did you know that? And I, I said, we have these wavelengths. We, oh, yeah. So and and uh, <laughs> another listener, by the way, was impressed. Saw this on, on Twitter last night from uh, a listener named Joey. He wrote, got in the car today, turned on the radio without looking at the station and thought, hey, that's the Boston song. What local person knows that song? So, yeah, it, 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 it seemed because that was right after the call we received in, uh, from the town of Dickinson with the, uh, the uh, glorious tale of uh, dirty water and the, you know, what, what happens when you try to do laundry with uh, water that's, shall we say, not up to par. So, yeah, it just, yeah, it was one of those things that it seemed very, very apropos. You should have saw the look on my wife's face. It was funny. But anyways, Bob, uh, last night the debate, you probably didn't watch it. Probably a lot of people didn't. Um, you know, uh, Chris Crandon, he he was himself there, uh, animated uh, <laughs> after Trump. Yeah, he's making a fool of himself. He's not hurting Trump at all, Bob. But, but anyways. Um, By the way, and you're, you're entitled to your opinion. So you're saying he's making a fool of himself as opposed to the former guy. So you're saying, Correct. Correct. Help, help me to understand that after we were treated to four years of the former guy, who was then the guy in the White House, and then about a year or whatever it was of his candidacy, you're saying he didn't do the exact same thing. Uh, no, 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 not at all. No. Uh, but anyways, Cramden and uh, Bob, I see. And do you see what the media, the, me, the media, the left is so, they're just afraid of DeSantis as they are of Trump because they, same policies, they think alike. They want to clean out the deep state. They're so afraid of them. They keep propping up Nikki Haley because they don't want the primary to come down to DeSantis and Trump because no matter who wins, they're going to get the same policies. Yeah, matter of fact, Trump, when he wins, Bob, he, he ought to offer the VP to DeSantis. Let DeSantis... No, what I was thinking, when Nikki Haley wins the nomination, she ought to offer the vice presidency to the former guy. That would be fun. Oh, I ought to be on late night TV. That is a good one, Bob. And, you know, I, I saw an interview, too, by, uh, uh, who was that pollster? Mark Penn. And you know what? He characterized the election when it's Trump against Biden. And he's pretty accurate. Forty percent hate Biden. Forty percent hate Trump. And the other 20 percent hate both. <laughs> and they're, they're the ones that are going to decide the election. But you know what, Bob, the way it's going now, and, and when I see the, the numbers right now, 
I, I don't agree just with that. Um, African-Americans, well, Trump is getting between 20 and 25 percent, especially the African males. They, they've had enough of Biden. And, Bob, if he gets 20 to 25 percent of the African-American votes, it won't matter how many independents vote for Biden. It won't matter how many uh, white suburban women vote for Biden. If he gets 25 percent of the African-American vote, it's over. Well, he won't. It's a <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. 1129 WNBF. Well, he might, but he won't. He could, but he can't. Vinny from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Oh, please. Can you imagine? I'm serious. The the former guy getting 25%. Come on, man. I mean, look, I, I'm open-minded, but you got to be. That's like the, the people who claim... We live on a flat earth. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but, you know, to, to be spreading that on an FCC-regulated radio station, it's, it's potentially Absolutely. problematic. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I watched the uh, previous caller. Dave, I watched the uh, debate last night, too, and I'm, I'm a Democrat. And uh, it, let, me, let me clarify something for you, because Nikki Haley um, uh, was attacked by this. Um, it, it's no liberal media or anybody giving her money. It's Wall Street. You know Wall Street. I heard All she's got people. some ethical okay. issues. To, and you might know this better than I because I haven't looked into her background. I haven't done a background check. But is it uh, true that she has some issues when it comes to ethics? Could, could she be described as ethically challenged? Well, you know what, Bob? I think that party at this point, they have nothing to stand on as far as ethics. And what I, it, it, by the leader, do we want to talk about ethics with this leader? You know, I'm, if, if I was Joe Biden next year when I start campaigning and I get to one of these places where I get these big crowds, if I was working on Joe, Joe Biden's campaign, one of the first things I would do is I would tell him, I want you to, Mr. President, why don't you apologize to all your, your people? Because they've been neglected for these last two and a half years. You had 81 million people vote for you in this last election, and yet we, the, we, the news media never covers them. You'd think that nobody voted for this guy. Every time you turn around, this media finds a Trump supporter. Oh, they find a Trump supporter. But you know why? I'll tell you why. That Typically, this is my opinion. I can't prove it, yep. but as someone who's been in journalism for a few years, I think a lot of the Trump supporters get airtime because they're more fun. I mean, listen to some of the interviews, and I got to tell you, say, if you take 10 of his supporters versus 10 of the president's supporters, which, which sound bites will be more entertaining? And that's what it comes well, down to, I think, when they're stacking shows or, or putting together a package. They're looking not so much for information, because remember, these are all basically... A man on the street interviews, and I got to say, first of all, as a journalist, I despise man on the street or person on the street interviews because basically what it comes down to is they're passing that off as news when it's just mm -hmm. random people with opinions. And don't get me wrong. I love random people with opinions on a show like this. But this show... Well with people expressing their opinions doesn't necessarily translate into a news story. 
And, and what happens, and it doesn't happen as much now as I think it used to, but it used to happen with such disturbing frequency. I, I guess the assignment editor would tell, tell somebody who's in the newsroom sitting around looking bored, well, then go out to the mall or go out to Court Street or go out to Washington Avenue and stick a microphone in the face of some hapless sap and ask them what they think about the price of tea in Newark Valley. And then you come back here, you slap together uh, two who say, I think the price of tea in Newark Valley is just right. And then you put two others in the package and say, I think the price of tea in Newark Valley is out of control. And there, you know, make sure it times out to a minute 40. There's your package. And it's it, it accomplishes nothing. But again, these stories with people, you know, if if the cable channels need to fill time and that because another thing about those stories is they're cheap to, to do you just go it's like i watch fox cable channel and they seem to always be at some coffee shop somewhere talking with people who love the former guy which is fine i can find coffee shops around here or diners around here where people love the former guy or vice versa where i, I could find places where people like uh president biden but I don't think it's exactly news, but it's cheap. And that's right, that's what right. passes for news instead of going out and covering breaking stories or which is kind of interesting. Well, but even more importantly, investigative stories, which take time and are expensive. Yeah, just go to some, you know, dim bulb, the dim bulb diner off uh, whatever that is, I-80 in dim bulb, New Jersey. And you got a ready-made show, and you just you, you select the people you want. I mean, MSNBC could be in another corner of the diner doing, you know, um, uh, Good Morning Mika, and, uh, you know, and, and get, get a bunch of people who like uh, Biden at the same time that uh, the breakfast kids on uh, Fox Cable are doing uh, interviews with people who like the former guy. I mean, you can do it. You just you well, just choose the people you want who will make your target audience feel warm and fuzzy. Well, Bob, that's my point. You don't see them find MSNBC. But my point, but my point is, it's not good TV. I no, no, listen to You're my right. point. My point is yeah. putting on people who support the former guy constitutes at least it may not be actual news and it may not be particularly informative, but it tends to be a lot more entertaining. I've heard. A lot of those interviews and to be honest if i had to listen to interviews of people about why they support uh the current president versus the former guy i'd rather if i had to i'd rather listen to people who say they support the former guy because their reasons are a lot more entertaining I than than people who support the current guy but dangerous i know i, mean, I right didn't now, say it's not dangerous well, i'm well, trying well, to explain you, you, you sound mystified why, why people who, who run these cable channels, why they tend to show more of the former guy supporters versus uh, the current guy. I think that's what it comes down to. Because if you get people, if you get people give, give uh, someone who supports President Biden, uh, give, give that person 12 seconds, what they say likely will be boring versus the person next to her who likes the former guy, what she says in 12 seconds is likely to be a lot more entertaining. 
And that's what they want. They want you to keep watching. It's infotainment. They want you right. they want you not to get bored. The a lot of the people I think who would um, talk about why they may continue to support President Biden, they might have some very thoughtful reasons about why. But most people would tune to a different channel. They'd watch the Cartoon Network or World Wrestling Federation because it's not as entertaining. You know, people when people are watching TV, most people, they're looking to be entertained. Yeah, they're watching a news channel. Maybe they want some information. But most of all, that's why cable news has devolved in prime time. It's devolved into... Um, a muddy opinion fest on every channel as opposed to you know it's not a single cable channel to my knowledge of the big three that'll give us one solid hour of news in prime time because they know from a rating standpoint it would be a disaster no that's true i just um I yeah, think my so don't I was- so, but by the way don't fret even though the presentations on on tv and radio news as well as online platforms, even though they seem to give um, a a much greater amount of attention to the former guy's supporters, it doesn't mean, that's not indicative of his real support. It's indicative of the people who are, whether it's radio and TV, who need a big audience, or online, who need clicks. I mean, again, for every million clicks that you do about a, get for a, a story about the former guy, a story about the current guy is probably going to get only 50%, if that, because it's just not as exciting. It's not no, as unpredictable. See, that's, what, that, that's one of the biggest differences between the current guy and the former guy, and who knows? They might even make this part of the campaign if it tests well. They could put out a commercial and say, what do you want? Unpredictability, yeah. wild and crazy antics every every hour on the hour, and, and sometimes more on social media, or do you want quiet, predictable leadership? And if well, that like tests well, that could be a commercial. You know, so in, in November 2024, Americans have an important decision to make. Do you like a guy who actually? I saw they sent out a picture, and of course it's propaganda because it was from the White House press office, but they they sent out a propaganda picture showing the current guy with his wife decorating a Christmas tree. I mean, yeah, it's propaganda, but people would rather live next door to those people than next door to the two former people because who the heck knows what they were doing in, in December of 2020. You see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. All right. Rest my case. And again, not that there's anything wrong with that. Hey, whatever you want to do, you know, everybody has a lifestyle. And I'll I'll be the first to admit, it looks like Joe Biden's lifestyle is more boring than the lifestyle of his predecessor. But I don't think you'll hear him apologize for that. It's 1040. This is Bob Joseph. More calls coming up on Binghamton Now.
WNBF Live. Allow six to eight years to arrive. <laughs> Eric from Endwell. Good morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, I thought you were going to play uh, I'm Just Waiting on a Friend by the Stones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, still could happen. Well... Somebody told me, somebody told me Mick now is 80. Mick Jagger is 80, they said. With a baby? I think they had triplets. I think, um, I think, or did he, was it twins? I don't know. So the thing is, is there, do you think there's any truth to this new internet rumor that Mick Jagger and Taylor Swift are now an item? Because if that's true, that's bad news for the NFL. Well. We'll have to wait on that one. Hey, the reason why I held so long, I feel this is important. Now, the other day, you guys were talking about the difference between pajamas and lounge pants, and I think they're the same, and I'll give you some good examples. Um, you know, these schools have movie nights, and they have pajama day, and I don't think that's good, because what happens is these kids uh, go to school in the same pajamas they wear uh, that night before. They go to school with fresh pajamas, come home and sleep in those pajamas, and that's just a deterrent. I mean, uh, not deterrent, but that's that causes bed bugs to be spread uh, rampantly, if you ask me. I don't think... Yeah, somebody said that there was uh, a bed bug found at one of the schools. Do you know anything about that? Did Because uh, I think some teacher, she didn't tell me, but she told someone else they found a bed bug in her school. Did you hear anything about that? No, I knew a certain school district was being treated a few years ago, and we had letters. Um, I'm talk- no, I'm talking about just in the last few weeks. You didn't hear about that? Uh, and the- Obviously, the school districts will never admit that, that someone found a bed bug in a classroom, but, but some teacher told someone, and, and I heard it so it's like third hand, but there was a report, and I won't identify the school district because of HIPAA, but um, it seems to me that if if there's a bed bug found in a school that the school district should put out a news release. Yeah, we've seen them in the past. Um, it's just not good. Yeah, bed bugs come out at night. They feed on the uh, the, uh, the human that's in the, residing in the bed. And so to wear those pajamas to school or lounge pants to school the next day and to carry them around with you or else to wear pajamas to school and uh, hang out with your buddies that are wearing pajama day, I don't think it's a good idea. I think the first thing they should do is uh, stop those kind of programs. I mean, uh, it's hygiene problems to begin with with some of these um, families and uh, not picking on anybody, but it's all around just a bad idea to be wearing pajamas uh, anywhere. I mean, even to Walmart. I mean, pajamas carry bed bugs, and they should be kept at home. All right. Appreciate your call. It's 1146 at WNBF addressing the key issues of the day. DJ in Binghamton, you're on the air. Tell that caller, go to Boscov's and look at the sign. They're called lounge pants. They're not called pajamas. How much do they cost? Uh, Anywhere from $17.99 to $39.99. 
at Boscov's. First floor men's department. All right. Lounge pants, buddy. buddy you said it's first floor? Pants. So if I go it's over to Boscov's at 1230. They're called lounge pants. Yeah, do they have any, do you think they have any lounge pants uh, blue in color? Problem is these guys are in their 70s and 80s calling up and they, they're they not with the time. I asked you a question, though. Does Boscov's yeah. in the men's department have any blue lounge pants? Yes. All right. Well, then I, I may go and, and get me some. Well, let me tell you this, Bob. Good news today. I called to say to everybody, happy Hanukkah. When they only had enough uh, light to rebuild the temple that the Greeks destroyed the Jewish temple, God gave them eight days of light. So it's a, it's a festival of miracles, and it starts today, December 7th, is happy Hanukkah. So I hope you celebrate and get some latkes and some ganyat and some delicious Hanukkah food. Yeah, I was, to that end, I was hoping to be hearing from Jeff Platsky, but no such luck. Call Chabda. Call call a Jewish community. All right, then maybe I'll do that. And then... And then I'll go get my lounge pants. It's uh, 11.47 at WNBF, WNBF.com. It is the season, the season to celebrate responsibly. 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and stay connected with your favorite radio station using the WNBF app. More calls, more often. Binghamton now, WNBF. Elizabeth in New Milford, you're on the air. Hi, good morning, Bob. Um, you're one of your recent callers from Manuel uh, inspired me to call because of his comments about Pajama Day. And um, I just find I'm, I'm an avid uh, reader of the news, and I just find an alarming increase in stories about families that are found to have negligence and dirty conditions and children growing up this way and being starved. And we really got to just come together as a community and pay attention to these things and take care of America's kids, take care of the kids in the world. Um, I think it's a huge issue today. Everybody needs to come together and do it. I agree. Appreciate your call. Georgia from the West side. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. I'm just calling to tell you how much I enjoy uh, Mr. Garner when he has him on. He tells everything that's going on, and, and it's good because it's very informative. So people in the county and the city know what's going on, and I really enjoy him a lot. He's very good, and um, happy Hanukkah to everybody, too. Starting at sundown. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, very nice. Um, they all are, all the festivals. Yeah. Kwanzaa, well, we, 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 wish, we wish everyone, everyone the best at this time of year. Yes, sir. Well, you have a good day, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Georgia. 11.52 at WNBF. Joe from Maine, you're on the air. Yeah, Bob, good morning. Morning. This is Joe from the town of Maine. Uh, I went to the meeting when it was at the town of Maine with Bob from Airport, and the girl that was there speaking, you couldn't hear. There was so much... uh, there were so many people there, you couldn't hear nothing. And I went down and told the town clerk, I think that they should uh, use their microphones. They have them. And the town clerk girl said she didn't know whether they could work. And every time somebody spoke up, Jim would hit the gavel and say, uh, well, 
We're not here for any questions. You have to be quiet. Well, you could hear only about every fourth or fifth word, and it didn't seem right. And I talked to a couple of town councilmen afterwards, and they were up front, and we couldn't even hear them. And they didn't hear half the things that she said either. And this doesn't seem fair to the public that they would have a meeting and not have their microphones working up to snuff. And that uh, should be a lesson to every government agency including the Binghamton Planning Commission. Fix the audio. Thank you for your call. Fix the audio. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, you cut me off. This is DJ. I didn't get to say what I called up to say to you, and you hung up. Your former guy just recently said that he doesn't even want to run for president, and he wouldn't. If it wasn't for the full heart of hate that he has toward President Trump, he hates President Trump so much, that's the only reason he's running. And that's why he's the former guy as of November 5th, 2024. He's the former guy. Watch and see. All you people who are acting crazy, you don't act crazy till November 5th comes and 6th comes. Yeah, but then then that guy is going to become a dictator. He already said he'll be a dictator on day one. That was tongue in cheek. He's an entertainer. That's he, sick. Shaved, That's sick. You don't you don't joke about being head. a dictator on day one. He jokes. Yeah, yeah, you do. That is sick. Don't joke about if you're going to joke about being a dictator, then you have disqualified yourself, in my opinion. Nobody jokes about being a dictator and then goes on to be the most powerful person on the planet. I mean, really? You, you can't. This is serious business, and I am serious. If you think you can be a dictator on day one... I love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. I love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, no, no. Other than day one. We love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, no, no. Other than day one. We love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, no, no. Other than day one. We love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, no, no. Other than day one. Oh, we're out of time. We will have another program, though, tomorrow. We'll get that fixed. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.